morning, afternoon, evening, or night, wherever you are in the world. I am Skyblaze, and this is not the Hidden Palace, regardless of what the metadata says. Um, I forgot to change it, and I'm not doing it now. Uh, this is, in fact, a show usually presented by our demon ruler of the Radio Sega playlist, Nicholas Haman. I have taken his seat for the Summer Shake-Up event, which is going on all of this week, so I hope I can do his show justice. Um, he has kindly informed me that he's going to be rating my performance, so that should be exciting. Uh, the track that you just heard uh, was from um, Bionic Commando. Uh, it was The Frontline, round one. Uh, was the S uh, SID, uh, so SID chip stereo version um, from the Commodore 64 version of uh, Bionic Commando. And um, Nicholas Mann was actually saying, is, th is that an old song? Because this sounds like a modern use of retro hardware. And no, that is in fact the original um, round one theme from uh, Bionic Commando, which is a, gr that's a great soundtrack. Uh, my topic for today is in fact Timothy John Follin, better known to most of you as Tim Follin. Tim was born in England in 1970 and first made his name in the 1980s composing music for 8-bit microcomputers, including the ZX Spectrum and Commodore 64. Uh, kindly, uh, Nicholas has uh, awarded me a 10 out of 10 for the opening song, so I think I'm doing pretty well so far. <laughs> Resident SD says, individual, the Ofsted audit ed edition. Um, for those who aren't aware, Ofsted are the... Um, organization that um, checks whether or not schools in the UK are up to standard. Uh, Spotman is saying, are we going to hear anything about Jeff? I will mention him later. You also will hear about another one of um, Tim's brothers. Uh, Jamie is saying, Ghouls and Ghosts is another great soundtrack by, Sim by Tim on the C64. It is indeed, and I will talk about that in a bit. But I'll, to go right back to the beginning, uh, Tim actually had no real significant um, education in music. Uh, he left college at the age of 15 and ended up working at a company called Insight Studios. Now, according to an in a couple of interviews, um, this was set up by uh, his older brother, Mike, and another guy who was running a, a game shop selling games. And he decided that he was going to give actually making the games a go. So um, Tim and Mike were hired, and, and Mike was doing the programming, so the actual development work. And um, Tim was uh, Tim credits his older brother Mike with starting his entry into the world of video game development, because Mike taught Tim how to create music on the ZX Spectrum by using machine code. I mean, that is about as, as kind of lower level programming as you can get, and machine code is extraordinarily difficult. The advantage of machine code is it's very efficient, so you can get right down into the kind of details of it and make sure that not a scrap of memory is wasted, which is very important on the early microcomputers. <laughs> Audience in interaction on individual? Preposterous! Hearing this live is already interesting. Yeah, I, I prefer doing live shows. I don't I don't like pre-recording it because I do think that you get something out of the, the interaction with the audience. Pre-recorded in front of a live audience, as one would say. <laughs> something like that. 
Now, um, Mike and Tim to get the work together to produce their first professional game, which was titled Subterranean Striker. And Striker is spelt with a Y, so S-T-R-Y-K-E-R. Because poor literacy is cool. Uh, Tim then went on to experiment with sound drivers. And um, he created his own music driver for Subterranean Striker, but he then managed to create a two-channel music driver by using um, phasing sounds um, which on the original ZX Spectrum was actually pretty impressive because the original only had a kind of a beeper speaker so he managed to create um, a two-channel sound and then uh, did an arrangement of the, a, cl a classical piece of music by Igor Stravinsky, uh, Stravinsky called The Firebird uh, which was then used in a game that was called Star Firebirds. Now, something that is going to come uh, more of... Uh, uh, I'm going to go into a bit more later. Uh, something that should be noted at this stage is that the Firebird, around about the 70s and 80s, was used by the prog rock band Yes as their stage entrance music. Um, and that is a little factoid that might be interesting a bit later on. Now, I'm going to play some music. I say music. Sounds. Because these are both tracks from the ZX Spectrum. Uh, the beeper version of the ZX Spectrum uh, sound device. Uh, so this is from Starfire Birds and Subterranean Striker. And from Starfire Birds we've got the Hall of Fame music which does integrate uh, the Firebird Suite. And then after that we've got the title theme from Subterranean Striker. And this quite capably demonstrates what Tim was having to work with back in those days. And shows you how limited the sound equipment was that he was working with. But it's impressive what he managed to do with it. So give these a listen, and I look forward to hearing the uh, the people in Discord screech. So have a listen to these, and I'll speak to you guys again after this music break. Thank <laughs> you. 
happened. Uh, <laughs> the yeah, the first strike is um, the Starfire Birds one is a lot more impressive than the Subterranean Striker one. But Subterranean Striker was the first game that he'd ever worked on, so I'll give him leeway. Uh, considering the limited technology he had to work with, um, the Starfire Birds theme is actually pretty impressive. To a point. I mean, it was what we had to deal with in the 80s. Uh, a lot, the, the Zenic Spectrum was such a kind of universal device because it was so cheap. Um, it's it has been credited by a lot of people of kind of starting the the games industry as a whole in the UK because there were so many bedroom coders who just bought a, Z, a ZX Spectrum and and learned to code on it because it was it cost nothing. Um, interestingly enough, it was that kind of spirit that um, the guys who make the Raspberry Pi were trying to do. They were trying to create like a very inexpensive board that allowed young people to tinker with it and learn electronics and computing and low-level code. And um, Nicholas Amand has just said 3 out of 10. You you wound me, Nicholas. I, I am hurt. I am sad. Um, but I think it was important to demonstrate that, that kind of early work. So Fallen had up until this point in his, uh, has uh, viewed his musical creations for video games as kind of a hobby. However, he received his first paycheck, and this was 100 of your English pounds, which for a 15-year-old was probably a heck of a lot of money, especially back in whatever year it was, the early 80s. Um, apparently he used that first paycheck to buy a digital delay guitar effect pedal, uh, which he says in an interview with Retro Man Cave that this was a complete waste of money. I disagree, um, but apparently that's what he wanted at the time, and so he bought himself a, uh, a delay pedal for his guitar. And it was around this sort of time that he realised that this endeavour could be turned into a career. Uh, Twenty is because I was I did a thing on because Twenty was complaining about that ZX Spectrum. I hesitate to call music, sound, noise, whatever you want to call it. Um, Twenty was saying it was awful, and I said I was saying like you weren't there, man. He's like, yes, I'm glad I wasn't born during that time. I was like, ow, ow, ow. I'm just gonna go over here and age into dust. It's fine. Moving on. I'll loop my talk bed, actually. Um, I'll talk about what I'm using as a talk bed later. Um, in 1987, uh, Tim followed his brother Mike to a new company which was called Software Creations. Uh, this was uh, Tim's full first full-time job, I can say words. And the place where he would go on to spend quite a significant portion of his career. Uh, Tim developed a reputation for working on arcade conversions, including Bubble Bobble, where he was credited as an arranger instead of composer, but he also worked on Ghouls and Ghosts. And he says that his 
work that at that point was trying to add a richer sound palette, and he also composed some new songs, including the title music for Ghouls and Ghosts, which is a great track. Um, Nicholson Man saying, you know how to loop talk beds in real time? I have to, <laughs> I have to do it on my show all the time, because some of my talk bed music is actually quite short, and I blather. Um, where was I? So Nicholas, I say, I hurt everyone whether we deserve it or not. Uh, Jamie's saying, I was around in those times, but I love those old sounds, especially the Sid Chip. Yeah, the Sid Chip's great. There's actually a book out um, that like talks about all those old sound chips, and I'm really, I think it's on pre-order now, the first volume's on pre-order, and I'm really tempted to get it. Because it would give me a lot more to blather about during Hidden Palace. <laughs> Where was I? I was talking about Ghouls and Ghosts. Uh, yes! Now, Tim Fallon is a, as it turns out, a fan of prog rock. We have something in common, Mr. Tim. And this was thanks to the fact that his older brothers were listening to that sort of music around that sort of time. Um, uh, so he credits bands including uh, Genesis, Yes, and Jethro Tull as influences uh, during his career in the 80s. In fact, the influence of Jethro Tull can be heard in the Commodore 64 version of Ghouls and Ghosts, with, um, especially in like stage one, there's a soaring uh, flute-like sound uh, that does that definitely, if you've heard anything by Jethro Tull, um, the lead singer is also the flute player, or flautist. Uh, Ian Anderson plays the flute, and he always stands on one leg when he's playing the flute, which is very peculiar. But you can very much kind of get that influence in the uh, some of the music from Ghouls and Ghosts. Uh, so let's let's have another music break. Uh, what is going on in the chat? Is there frog rock? Oh, as opposed to prog rock. Oh, I see. No progressive rock. My mind tried to read that as Fraggle Rock for a second, says Dragon <laughs> No, Progressive Rock. Um, those of you who heard my 100th episode and the Genesis, on a Genesis sound chip, uh, will know the sort of thing I mean. So, before I blather on any more about Progressive Rock, let's have some more music. So, this is stage one from. Uh, Ghouls and Ghosts, The Haunted Graveyard, and then after that we've got from Bubble Bobble, Start... How does that say Star Demo? Start Demo. I can't spell. Um, the main theme. Uh, it's, it will say that uh, Peter Clark is the composer, but Tim Fallon was the arranger on that, so it counts. So, enjoy those, and I will come back after the break to talk a bit more about Tim Fallon's career. And when he started working on consoles as opposed to microcomputers.
to Radio Sega, playing the best Sega music 24 7. Bubble Bobble start demo main theme and before that we had Ghouls and Ghosts stage one the haunted graveyard I was just saying on the discord chat um, Bubble Bobble was actually one of the first like, non-edutainment video games I ever played uh, my parents used to get me things like fun school series and there was also something that involved um, like robots where you had to correctly add or multiply the numbers on them to create the right kind of robot and I have no idea what that was called, and every time I try and search for it, it never comes up with anything. But that was on the Commodore 64, so I have a lot of fond memories of uh, of Bubble Bobble. Uh, and Rainbow Islands, that was great too. So, um, back to the actual topic. Uh, I'm, I'm trying- this, this show's supposed to be two hours, and uh, I don't know if I'm going to make it. Through the, uh, the to that entire length because my shows are only an hour so I'm not used to stretching things out like that uh, if anybody does have any requests I can I've got them on here I can probably add them to the playlist I think Jamie was mentioning um, ghouls and ghosts uh, act four so I'll put that in the next uh, next block find it. Where is it? Stage 4 of the Crystal Forest. That should be right there. So let's add that to the end of that book. Um, 
yeah, at the dawn of the third generation of consoles, uh, this is about the point when um, the NES was starting to become popular in Europe. Because for reasons known to someone, I'm sure, uh, the NES was actually released quite a long time after, at least in the UK, a long time after it had been released in um, America and Japan. And they kind of binned the first distribution of them. Uh, the I think they let Mattel do the first wave of them, and it was just like really badly handled. Uh, so yeah, that's a thing that occurred. Uh, so most people didn't have in the UK didn't have an NES until um, quite late uh, in its in its life cycle. So, um, but uh, around when it did become popular, it became quite popular. And uh, Tim saw the writing on the wall around this time, so he moved on to start working on consoles such as the NES and the SNES. Although he did at one point express some sadness at the what he saw as the impending death of the Commodore 64, uh, saying in a 1990 interview that he felt a bit of desolation at no longer composing for the C64. Um, his final work for the Commodore 64 was in fact Gauntlet 3, which was released in 1991. Which was very, very late for the Commodore 64. Um, Fallin said that he found the music when he was working on the NES. One of the uh, the soundtracks that he was working on that he found the most inspiring was uh, the game Solstice, uh, which was like the defender of something. I forget. What was it called? I'm clearly prepared for this. Uh, the quest for the staff of Demnos. Um, I happen to know that Demnos was in fact a very minor Greek deity, a Greek and Roman deity. Uh, he gets a mention in a Doctor Who episode, I think classic Doctor Who episode. Um, and he said that the he said that the music for that game uh, demanded a very dark and spooky atmosphere for the castle environment. And he also had to work to um, time the music. So it would coordinate with the movement of the title sequence. Uh, as Jamie rightly points out, the last official game for the Commodore 64 was in 1994, and it was Lemmings. Uh, that is indeed true. Uh, there are so many versions of Lemmings. There are so very many versions of Lemmings, including some that Tim Follin has worked on. I think it was on the PSP? He a PSP version of Lemmings that he worked on. Um, back to the topic. Uh, one interesting thing about the work that Tim did on um, Solstice was that he didn't use any instruments. It was all done using programming. So he was programming it directly in rather than using instruments and then transposing it onto a sound chip, which is usually how uh, composers work. But he said that using a programming first approach uh, let him work with a more open mind. 
not entirely sure what he mean by, meant by that, but it's interesting. Now, there's one particular track I want to talk about uh, for the NES, and that's the game Pictionary. Now, when you think of, like, game show or board game video games for, for that sort of era, they're usually very, like, throwaway titles. They're, they don't usually have that much effort into them. Um, however, the NES version of Pictionary has this amazing hard rock music. And a lot of people, it's so extra. It's like, why did you go this hard on Pictionary for the NES? Way more effort into this this game that nobody probably would remember if it wasn't for this music. And he was saying uh, in the, the, the Retro Man Cave interview that I mentioned before, um, he did that just because he could. I think he, I, I got the impression from before he was talking about it that he was bored and just thought it was amusing. Um, so yeah, he was very, very extra for that particular track. Uh, Green Chaos Emerald rightly says, sometimes you just want to have a good time while you're working. And yeah, sometimes ideas just get in your head. And um, if you successfully manage to persuade your boss that it's okay, you're like, yes, I'm going to do this, it'll be great. I did that once um, when the VR game Polybius came out, and I actually talked about the... I got like a good excuse to um, put my game historian hat on and uh, talk about the history of the urban legend behind Polybius. That was great. And I managed to justify it to my boss, so he let me do it. <laughs> <laughs> so Tim Follin went, Pictionary bored me into hard rock. Yeah, sure, probably. Because why not? We're working on a game of working on Pictionary. This is boring. I'm gonna put some like hard guitar riffs in there because I can. Uh, so, uh, 1993, um, Tim Fallin left Software Creations um, with his final work for the company being um, some work on Blizzard's title Rock and Roll Racing, um, which, if you've not listened to the soundtrack, it's all like. Uh, SNES and Mega Drive versions of really awesome hard rock tracks. There's like um, Smoke on the Water and um, uh, I've forgotten the name of the song. But yeah, there's, there's like Ozzy Osbourne and all sorts of stuff in there. It's amazing. It's a great game as well. It's great fun. But I'm going to play you um, the uh, main title theme from Pictionary, so you can see exactly what I hear, exactly what I mean. And then we'll have the main theme from Solstice, and then uh, since Jamie requested it, and I've got um, time spare, uh, Ghouls and Ghosts Stage Four, which is which one is that? The Crystal Forest, I think. Is that right? That should be right. So. Enjoy those, and I'll be back after the break to actually talk about some work he did for Sega-related games. Enjoy. Speak to you soon.
And that was Ghouls and Ghosts Stage 4, uh, The Crystal Forest, the C64 version. You've almost certainly heard the Mega Drive version um, on the 24-7. Uh, it tends to show up quite a lot. And it's a, it's a great track, but the something about the Sid Chip version is just a bit creepier. Um, which matches the vibe a bit better. It's still a great song, though. Uh, before that, we had Pictionary, the main title theme. And then uh, before that, Solstice, also the main theme. <laughs> Everybody in the chat was reacting to the Pictionary theme. It's like, wait, wait, this is Pictionary? What? <laughs> it's like, Tim, Tim, mate, it's it's only Pictionary. You calm down? No, Tim? T oh. Okay, then. <laughs> Moving on. So Tim Fallin joined Malibu Interactive after he left Software Creations. Uh, Malibu Interactive was a division of the Malibu Comics Company that was very active during the 90s. Because uh, this, this was around the time of the comics boom, the 90s comic boom. Um, unfortunately, uh, Tim spent quite a lot of time working on um, games which for various reasons didn't get published. Uh, the Sega Mega Drive title, uh, Time Tracks, which is based on a TV series of the same name, which was produced by Harve Bennett, who worked on the Star Trek films. Um, Time Tracks is actually a bit of an underrated TV sh show, in my opinion. Um, it's a bit obscure, but it's actually quite good, and the music for Time Tracks is great. Uh, I've talked about Time Tracks a bit on an episode of Hidden Palace, I believe. Uh, another title that Fallin worked on during the CVA was called Firearm, and that also went unpublished. And he also worked alongside his brother Jeff for a while on a title called Ultraverse Prime, uh, which was for the Mega CD, or Sega CD, depending on which region you are in. You've talked about it. Um, Tim only spent 18 months working with Malibu Interactive as the company collapsed and was bought out by Marvel Comics in 1994. Um, Tim then went into freelancing and worked with various groups and companies on a range of projects, uh, including Buster Move 4 on the Game Boy Color and Batman and Robin on the PlayStation. During this period, Tolling was contacted by uh, Sega UK producer David Nulty, who was a fan of Tim's work, um, particularly the Commodore 64 era work that he produced, which, as we've already heard, was pretty awesome. Um, this led to Tolling composing the soundtrack for Echo the Dolphin, Defender of the Future on the Dreamcast. And that was a soundtrack that received a lot of praise from journalists of the time, and rightly so, because it is awesome, and I have used, been using it as my talk bed um, throughout this episode. Uh, so you've had various various tracks, um, uh, including Aquamarine Bay, uh, Caverns of Hope, and uh, currently playing Hanging Waters. Later on we're going to have um, Passage from Genesis as well. Uh, Dragonberg saying the Bust and Move games were actually pretty fun. Yeah, they were alright. And Dragonberg also rightly says a lot of games get unpublished for various reasons, and that is very true, which is why I've had managed to scrape quite a lot of episodes out of cancelled um, games, uh, cancelled games for Sega consoles. Um, but yeah, the Echo of the Dolphin Defender of the Future soundtrack is amazing. It's so good. 
It's such a chill soundtrack. I like um, among. It's one of the soundtracks I tend to put on if I need, if I'm having a bath and I need to relax. Oh, Jamie! Jamie is apparently drinking Brothers Palmer Violet Cider. Yes, I'm quite fond of that one as well. Um, do I have one of those in the fridge? Yes, I do. I have one of those in the fridge. I probably won't have it now because I've had painkillers today. So, um, yeah, I've been up since four with health things. Uh, my script was completed two hours before showtime. Down to the wire. Now then. After 2005, um, Tim largely left video game composition and instead started working on films, television and advertising. He became a director of photography, I believe, uh, for various TV and uh, advertising projects. In the Retromind Cave interview, he talks about spending a lot of time lighting sofas <laughs> for advertising. Apparently he also worked on like the Vistaprint adverts a few years ago. Um, he, his reasons for this changing career were varied, uh, but he talked about his frustration with various projects that ended up being shelved after he'd already put a lot of work into them. And I can imagine how frustrating that would be. Uh, you know, you've put a lot of time and effort into this, and especially if it's a creative endeavour and it kind of a lot of you goes into creative work. So to have it not um, not come out, is, it has to be really devastating. Uh, he also talked about the irregular nature of freelancing work, causing issues with receiving a stable income, and oh boy, do I feel you with that one, because I'm I freelance, I'm freelance uh, writer myself, so I fully sympathise with where he's coming from on that one. Uh, so that's what Greyforce sounds like. Never heard your voice before. Uh, usually he's closer to the mic. Yeah, he's on the sofa, like behind my PC at the moment. So, uh, if you want to hear more of his voice, he usually does streaming on Tuesdays for Radio Sega. Did you do any streaming this week? No. Why not? Oh yeah. Because um, yesterday. We found out that a friend of ours had had to have emergency surgery because his appendix had decided to stage a rebellion. So we went to go and pick him up from the hospital and take him home and make sure he was okay. Uh, which ate into the time that I was going to spend working on the script for today. Whoops. Oh well. Oh great, Jamie says that you have that one hell of a voice. And it's even better in person. You do have a lovely voice, my love. Let's have some more music then. Uh, yeah, I'm not even like gonna fill the full hour. I feel really bad. Because <laughs> I'm actually nearly at the end of the show. Um, but yeah, let's have some more music. So, um, from the Mega Drive Time Tracks game, uh, BGM01. Don't have a title, but we'll proceed anyway. And then after that, we've got. I don't know if this is pronounced, supposed to be pronounced Lead Storm or LED Storm, uh, but it's the title, a title track from the Amiga version of um, LED Storm. 
which is a great track. Uh, so hope you enjoy those. And um, the last bit of today's show will be after this music break.
the best Sega music, live shows, and the chance to request your favorites. This is RadioSega.net.
was Plock, the main theme from uh, the SNES version. Um, that was requested by Jamie. Because uh, I'm underrunning quite badly, so I think it can't hurt to add another couple of tracks in. And, um, yeah, Nicholas was saying, like, is this running on the original hardware? I was like, yeah. How on earth uh, Tim and Jeff Follin managed to get realistic sounding guitars and piano out of the SNES sound chip is a mystery known only to Jeff, Tim and the gods themselves, because, wow. And for that we had um, LED Storm title theme from the Amiga version. The stereo sound on that is really amazing. Uh, that, was, that is a, a headphones non-optional track, definitely. And then at the top of the block we had Time Tracks, BGM01, which is another great track. And it's such a shame that game never came out, so based upon the soundtrack alone it would have been amazing. Okay, so, you know how I said that after 2005, Tim stopped working on video games? Well, in late 2020, an FMV-style horror game was released called At Dead of Night. It was set in a spooky hotel, and the protagonist has to use a ghost radio to contact spirits of the dead in order to solve a mystery and escape um, a dangerous person who is prowling around the hotel. Now, this game was created by Tim Follin's company, Baggy Cat Productions, which is an amazing name for a company. Uh, according to IMDB, Tim was involved in most aspects of the creation of At Dead of Night, working as both writer and director, and creating the music. Um, so he used a lot of his more recent experience in television to create the game. Um, FMV games have got a reputation for being very low quality, but that one is actually really, really good. Uh, if you would like to have a look at it, um, you can find it on Steam. And I will drop a mention of the Steam link into the Discord chat. Also, um, YouTuber Markiplier has done a full playthrough of it, which is also worth checking out if you, for whatever reason, can't buy it or, you know, have an issue with horror games, which is entirely understandable. Um, it is actually very, very good and it's really well acted and directed and uh, the animations are beautiful. Uh, definitely worth having a look. It's got very good reviews, so I recommend checking that out. Um, he also worked on a previous game, um, which is called uh, Contradiction, which is a, a murder mystery thing. I believe, according to one of his interviews, he actually designed that to work on an iPad originally. So it's a sort of kind of um, pick it up and, and, and play on, on an iPad. Um, but yeah, uh, that's worth checking out. Um, I'm interested to see if there's going to be more coming, more games coming from his studio because of, of how good our Dead of Night is. Um, I say that with my video game journalist hat on. So, I have like underrun by most of an hour. I'm, I'm really sorry. Uh, 
I'm gonna add like another couple of. If, if anybody has any more requests, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna put another couple of tracks on um, on the playlist because I had um, I had a uh, I mentioned the the game uh, you know, uh, Ultraverse Prime, which was one of the Malibu Games titles. So I've put that on there on the playlist. Um, that was going to be the final track, but I'm going to add another couple, I think. So if anybody has anything that they want for me to add, um, mention it on the Discord track, on the Discord chat, and I will add it in. Uh, Sky Shark, that looks interesting. Let's add that. Something from Bionic Commando. Okay. Uh, even though I played it at the top of the... And uh, try not to find... not to... Uh, play the... Um, Alistair Brimble version. Uh, Big Fortress Level 2. Yeah, let's have that as well. So we're going to um, close out with a massive music block. We've got four tracks coming up. We've got from Ultraverse Prime, the menu theme. Uh, that was a Mega CD um, game, sort of. It was also a bunch of comics, which is it's very confusing. Uh, and it is the most 90s thing you've ever seen, because it, it's like Rob Liefeld-style art. Uh, and the music kind of reflects that as well. We've also got... Um, <clears throat> Stage 1 of Sky Shark, uh, that's also a Commodore 64. We've got Gauntlet 3 on the Amiga, uh, that's another title track, and Big Fortress from Bionic Commando, that's uh, round 2. So, thank you everybody for tuning in today. Um, I hope I did justice to Nick's show. Uh, be sure to check out RadioSega.net for further information on the rest of the Summer Shake-Up this week. And in particular, be sure to tune in on Saturday to hear Kev Blaze take over the Hidden Palace. I think that's another pre-recorded one. Um, but yeah, <laughs> if you know anything about the joke that he did for the um, Radio Redux after last year's um, mix-up event, uh, it's, it's going to be quite entertaining, I think. So I'm going to leave you with uh, these four music tracks. Take care, everybody. I've been Sky Blazers. This has been Individual on Radio Sega. Good night and take care.
enjoyed the show? Check out the full Radio Sega live schedule at radiose.ga forward slash shows. Radio Sega, playing the best Sega music 24-7.